What's up, this Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 36th episode of Season 2. Today, we're going to be talking about the top late-round draft targets. These are players going outside the top 120 Fantasy Pros consensus ranks. and includes guys like Trey Lance, Tua Tungo-Vailoa, Rashad Penny, Darnell Mooney, and why we believe they're worth targeting at the end of drafts. Joining me today is a returning guest on the pod. He recently started a new show on Bets TV, is a senior writer for The Athletic with over 70,000 followers on Twitter. He is the all-in kid, Jake Seeley. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm glad as a returning guest. It's fun. I told you I get one of these in before the season. You're lucky. You're lucky. You asked me and I was like, oh, you got about two weeks before the answer is no. <laughs> no, I definitely, definitely reached out at the perfect time. And I think we have a good, good topic today because I think for the the casual fantasy football manager, they're not looking at guys like Darnell Mooney or Trey Lance right now. And I think that's part of our job to help. And, you know, you can hear my dog barking in the background. She's excited for late round draft targets. But nonetheless, I'm excited to get into it. But real quick before we do, I mentioned a little bit in the show, you have a new show on Bets TV. Can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of how that's going so far? Yeah, all in football, it's probably taking the place of all in sports, the podcast that I had that was my own, uh, just only because of time. I would love to do all in sports as well. People have actually, I was surprised people asked about it, but all in football is Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Mondays are with Chris Meany, Tuesdays are with Steph Smalls, and then Wednesdays are with Jeff Ratcliffe. Uh, all off season prep right now. And then during the season, it's going to be Mondays are recap of the weekend, Tuesdays waivers, and then Wednesdays are ranks with Jeff. Uh, just a new show, new fun. It's a video show, so you can watch live or even catch it afterwards or go to YouTube and watch it on time and a half speed so you can speed through it in a half hour and make us sound like chipmunks. But it's it's a lot of fun, so you know, I appreciate everybody out there to just go over there. Even if you don't watch it, just go do the same thing. I Hopefully, you're doing it for Alex and just subscribe and thumbs up so you get more viewers. That's really what it comes down to. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's the name of the game, unfortunately. Um, and again, it's all about viewers, all about production, just like fantasy football. You don't really care about the name or who the player is. It's who is putting up numbers for you, and that is the biggest thing at the end of the day. And that's what we're looking for at the end of drafts. Do you get extra, Guys, do you get extra numbers because people are looking for the uh, NBA player? Do you ever get that? They're I like, do. I, I do. I actually got at least two or three DMs after he got a contract. Like, thanks. Like, you know, like, th- <laughs> thanks for like, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming to the Lake Show. Like, I love you. Great to have you. And then, like. Two out of the three immediately were like, oh, wait, like, that's not you. <laughs> but it, it happens more and more. And like, um, I like I got like a, a doctor's appointment or something like a few, couple months ago. And I went in and I said my name and like I always it happens more and more now where people double take because it's Alex Caruso. And they're like, they'll kind of like look at me weird because I'm that same height. I'm not bald <laughs> uh, like him, but like we're like the same height. So, you know. People always double take or ask, and I think it's a it's a pretty cool thing. I've been following him since I was in like fifth grade. I never thought he'd be anything. Oh really? Um, but I, I you, should, you should get a bald cap to like throw people off. <laughs> I should get a bald cap and get a jersey of him, and you know, you never know. People people might believe it, but um, and get reservations at like a five star restaurant. See if maybe they'll cop the check and everything. <laughs> That's a great idea, especially if I'm in Chicago. Especially, you know, a little bald yeah. cap, you might might do it well. But you know, he's someone that's really cool to follow. Not many people with the same name, obviously. So, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever met another Jake Seeley? 
No, there is no Jake Seeley. We're actually the only fi- – well, I mean, I don't know if maybe there's a Seeley that spelled like the baseball player that was the S-E-A-L-Y or, or like that's the mattress. Seeley yeah. was S-E-L-E. So – but no, no, no. So point being, my dad, my uncle, my cousin, and me are the only four males with the last name spelled Seeley because my grandfather changed it. So oh, okay. there are no official like actual Seeleys spelled this way because it's okay. spelled – really weirdly (laughs) (laughs) well maybe more to come you know and some someday they'll look back at you and be like oh like i i have the same name and this guy that used to write write articles for the athletic and it'll be you know one of the greatest spelled properly yes (laughs) exactly exactly but nonetheless let's let's jump right into this late round targets today your first late round targets we're starting off with qbs daniel jones and tua tungovailoa please tell us more about those guys and why you like them late in drafts so for two different reasons, and I'm not even the biggest – for everybody that follows me know this, I don't love Daniel Jones purely as an NFL talent, but we're talking fantasy here. Yep. And I go back to last year, and everybody wanted Daniel Jones because of the rushing upside and four or 500 rushing yards, and if he could just put something together as a passing player, which there was flashes of as a rookie. You're like, you know what, that's, that's what we want in fantasy. You add 500 rushing yards – uh, he did have the nice rushing number last year, but only got the one or two rushing touchdowns. I think it might have been one, uh, but you expect a little bit better for that. And if he could just put together a decent season and get close to 4,000 passing yards and 25 plus touchdowns, you're talking about a fringe QB one who now is not going inside the top 20 because people were taking him as a fringe QB one last year with that expectancy. And now they're ticked off. And the article I ever just did at the athletic is last year's trash dumpster diving, whatever you want to call it. And people don't go back to players that have burned them because they get angry and they don't want to be burned again. So that's why I like Daniel Jones, too, for a different reason altogether, is I still think people overlook that that injury was a factor in his quarterback play coming in this rookie season, wasn't even expected to play 100%. And then when he was brought in, they kind of half, you know, got well, they were trying to keep aspects of Fitzpatrick's offense and not really go full into Tua. Like we've seen, like when Lamar Jackson took over for the Ravens, he was trying to run the Flacco offense and then he developed the offense for him in that offseason. And that's what the Dolphins were able to finally do is 100% invest into Tua as the offense with Will Fuller, with Jalen Waddell, who is his running mate from college. And I think that you just look at Tua's ability and everybody was like, oh, well, about the deep ball. He's throwing great deep balls even before the camp report that he's throwing great deep balls. The great deep ball in college went to Jalen Waddell, which helped in that game that everybody seemed to have forgotten. Um, so I think that Tua can take that step forward. If you gave me one versus the other, I'm taking Tua every single time. But I think that Tua could finish as a near QB1 this year. Yeah, I think they both could. And I think there's both an interesting case because, like you mentioned with Daniel Jones, beyond just like the rushing and he had one rushing touchdown, he threw for 11 touchdowns last year. That is a 2.5% touchdown rate. And that is just bound to go up, especially when you add a guy like Kenny Galladay. His splits are better with Saquon Barkley in the lineup. Uh, hopefully we see him week one. But, I mean, two is definitely the guy there for me, too, that he's someone that would have easily been on this list if it wasn't for the guy I picked. Because, um, like you said, I mean, he wasn't even bad last year, and he's another year removed for the hip surgery. He has, a, I mean, an offense that is going to be geared completely towards him. And then you add guys like Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller to the lineup. I mean, come on, man. That's, that's you know, there's some interesting things happening and Albert Wilson's making big plays all over camp. So definitely something that's really interesting to see there, especially when he still has Miles Gaskin, Mike Jasicki, however you say that. Um, really interesting for this year. But the guy that I'm going for sticking with the quarterbacks is Trey Lance, man. I mean, Trey Lance for the 49ers. I think the biggest reason that I love getting him in drafts and stashing him is because of his playoff schedule. I sound like a broken record at this point, playing the Bengals, the Falcons, the Titans, the Texans over the last four weeks. And the biggest thing that people keep saying on whether it's TikTok or Twitter, that me are like, they're like, well, what if he doesn't start this year? 
but we've never seen NFL history, a quarterback drafted in the top three that did not start at some point in the season. And, you know, I mean, I know that Jimmy Garoppolo is playing his best football of his career in camp, but Trey Lance is making plays. He changes that offense so much because of rushing. And again, just because of that rushing upside alone, that helps so much in fantasy. He's been great in camp. And, you know, for what it's worth, if you want to play the narrative game, he has the easiest schedule in the NFL. So when he gets in, it's going to help. He has three yards after the catch monsters and Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle. I mean, like I said, when Trey Lance goes in, I think he's going to be a QB1 for fantasy. But is it how quickly he takes over? Are you feeling the same way? Are you coming out with Trey Lance at all in your drafts? I'm not only because these there's always somebody that goes super aggressive on him. And it's yeah. not that I hate Trey Lance. Uh, for all the arguments they make for Daniel Jones, it's the same for Trey Lance. And with more rushing upside is the fact that he can not only run for five, six hundred yards or more, but unlike Daniel Jones will probably call his number, his own number a little bit more towards the goal line than Daniel Jones will. Yeah. Uh, and then you're also talking about the weapons that are around Lance and Kyle Shanahan and everything like that. So he is in a great situation. I actually wish Justin Fields was in that situation instead because oh, I like Justin Fields better as a prospect. Absolutely. But that's the concern in the passing game. But if I think that Daniel Jones just put together a mediocre passing season and you're going to be a top 15 quarterback, that's the same argument for Trey Lance. But I would like Trey Lance around a little bit after Tua in like that 17, 18, 19 range. But like I said, every single draft I'm in, somebody's taking him like QB 12 or 13 or somewhere like that because they see that upside and are hoping he starts week one. So it's not that I don't like Trey Lance. I just think a lot of people are buying him already at the price of his upside. Okay, I like that. I like that. How how early are you willing to draft Trey Lance right now? Like you said, so you said around the QB 17, 18, really late. And drafts at this right, point yeah, for QB leagues? 12th, 13th, 14th round, but he's not making it. That's the problem. He's not making he's it that far. It. So that's the thing is I just – I'm out on Trey Lance at the cost. That's really what it comes down to. It's crazy. I, I had a draft last week that I was in like a real draft for money on the line, and Trey Lance went in the seventh round. I was like, oh, like Jer- Jerry Judy was still on the board, and they're taking like someone like Trey Lance. I mean, you just – you got to be kidding me. But, again, I digress. Um, going on to running backs <laughs> – your running backs, I mean, this this hurts me a little bit for the first name you have. Um, but, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, your, your running backs are Jamal Williams and Chubba Hubbard. I'm not a big fan of the Jamal Williams because I'm all in on DeAndre Swift this year. But, I mean, please tell me why those guys are going to be great this year, why they have a chance to be great should something happen. Well, I mean, honestly, DeAndre Swift gets hurt. Williams has already proven that when Aaron Jones misses time that he has – RB1 potential. And no, this isn't a team you to get super excited about the offense wise, but what do we know about Anthony Lynn is that he doesn't give somebody 20 touches every single game. And Anthony Lynn brought in Jamal Williams, despite already having DeAndre Swift. And this is from somebody that loves DeAndre Swift. This is somebody I go back to the draft. He was in my tier one of running backs with Jonathan Taylor and JK Dobbins. Those were the only three. They were the top three that I had in that draft class. I love Swift's talent. I don't love the situation. I just think that Anthony Lynn has proven he wants to use basically a split backfield, not a true committee because the committee is the third running back involved, but just a split backfield timeshare back there. And that's what it comes down to. It's not that I love Jamal Williams. I just think that when you're looking at if you go wide receiver heavy and you want to say, hey, a flex level running back or somebody that's, you know, I'm starting a wide receiver at flex, but I might need a couple times. Jamal Williams is there with one of the clearest paths of like probably top five, like with Tony Pollard and Latavius Murray's of the world. If something happens to the lead guy who now steps into top 15 values, that's really what it comes down to for Jamal Williams. Similar to Hubbard, you know, you look at the rest of that Panthers backfield, Chris McCaffrey's coming off a major injury. 
And I don't think Hubbard would even come close to Christian McCaffrey's numbers, but we just saw what Mike Davis did replacing Christian McCaffrey <laughs> and Hubbard. If he would have came out of the draft a year ago, instead of this past year. So two years ago now at this point, he was being considered as a first round talent. Now I don't think he is a first round talent, but is he on the par and on the same playing field as Mike Davis? Quite potentially. And if something happens to Christian McCaffrey, that's really what it comes down to. You're getting Hubbard for essentially free. And if something happens to McCaffrey, he's got that similar Latavius Murray Jamal Williams upside. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think the thing the the point you made about Williams that I really like um is like you said, the the flex value if you go wide receiver early. Because again, we saw I mean, Adrian Peterson's corpse, dare I say. I mean, all respect to Adrian Peterson, but he averaged over 10 touches a game last year. So I think especially with, like you said, with Anthony Lynn, Jamal Williams is still going to get enough touches that you could throw him in, hoping for a few points every week if you go wide receiver early. And I think Rashad Penny is another guy that's like that um, in these drafts right now. He's I mean, Rashad Penny, I mean, obviously he has the first round draft capital, even though he never should have been in the first round. But I mean, this is still a guy that has had a career 5.1 yards per carry playing with a great offense and he came in as a rookie at 238 pounds and you could buy into the narrative now that he's 223 and he said he's faster than he's ever been but in Chris Carson's four-year career he's never played 16 games he's played 4 12 14 and 15 games I'm not saying that Carson's gonna miss games but he, he has shown that I mean if he he, he has missed games and before but I mean like I said like last year Chris Carson was the running back 17 playing just 38% of all of Seattle's running back snaps. And if Rashad Penny's talented, they haven't really shown that they're going to give Chris Carson. He only hit 70% of the snaps once in a game last season, I think, off the top of my head. So, again, Rashad Penny is going to be in there if he's healthy. I think he's a much better competition at this point in his career than someone like Carlos Hyde or your Travis Homers, DJ Dallas, those guys. So, again, if Rashad Penny's on the field, I think, like you said, he could have weekly flex value because he's going to play some snaps. And like you said, if Chris Carson gets hurt, especially in this offense with everything else, there's not a lot. of I'm not really scared of DJ Dallas or Travis Homer. I think Rashad Penny has legitimate top 12 upside should something happen to Chris Carson, which I hope it doesn't. But I think he's someone that's really interesting. <laughs> um, but like you said, do you, do you think Rashad Penny could you know, finally produce some numbers for fantasy managers that we were so desperately hoping for years ago? Well, the only question is, can he finally stay healthy? Oh, man. That is That's really – if Rashad Penny is healthy, like this is the reason people have been excited about him for years. And like, and let's not forget the investment that the Seahawks put on Rashad Penny as a first-rounder. Yeah. The talent is there, but it's just stay on the field. And that's a huge question mark. But even if Carson stays healthy and Penny finally stays healthy, Penny could probably find his way into like RB3 value just from that workload that he'll probably get a few touches, if not even a little bit more to take the load off of Chris Carson. But again, the biggest question with Penny is just get, can he even stay on the field? Actually, right now, can he get on the field and then stay on the field? Yeah, yeah. He, there, there, there's no stay on the field at this point. It's just get on the field because I mean, you think he's played three games in the last two seasons or so far, which is just sad to see. And that three games included 11 total carries over the last two years. Um, but again, I digress. Let's move on to wide receivers. I think oh, yeah, circling back to your Justin Fields and I mean, you love the talent of Justin Fields. Is that talent of Justin Fields, hopefully early in the season, going to take over for someone like Darnell Mooney? Um, again, Darnell Mooney could be the second best pass catcher in this offense. How how confident are you that we see Darnell Mooney put up some numbers with Andy Dalton or with Justin Fields? I mean, do you think that quarterback situation affects how well Mooney plays this year? I think it just raises his ceiling if we can get Justin Fields. Okay. Uh, really what it comes down to is Darnell Mooney surprised a lot of people last year, took over as the number two, putting Anthony Miller in position to not only just kind of lose his job, but also lose his position on this team, as we saw with the trade. But if you also go back to last year, for anybody that wants to have some fun, go watch how many times Darnell Mooney's running down the field uncovered and gets 
misthrown, like yeah. overthrown, side thrown, under adjusted to that one pass, which is a highlight that a lot of people remember. That's the pass that he should not have had to adjust for. I compared it to a lot of times that people remember Eli Manning and Odell Beckham and how many times Odell Beckham was streaking downfield and had to either adjust or Eli Manning missed him. Uh, that's what Mooney saw last year. I'm not comparing Mooney to Odell Beckham. <laughs> I'm just saying that's a lot of there's plays left on the field already. And we've already seen some from camp and it's like, we've already seen him get missed by Andy Dalton. I'm hoping it's Justin Fields by week two. And that's, they're just throwing Dalton to the week one wolves and the Rams. But even if it's not, even if it is Andy Dalton for the entire season, you know, it's, it can't, it's going to be a, what we saw last year quarterback play was why because Andy Dalton at this point of his career isn't much better than what the Bears had last season, but that was still productive enough to get Darnold Mooney inside the top 50, not a starter at the beginning of the year as a rookie. So I think Darnold Mooney this year, no matter who the quarterback is, is finishing inside wide receiver three territory. I mean, how, how could he not when he's being compared by some fantasy analyst right now to Odell Beckham? I mean, how, how could you not take him in the top 50? <laughs> I was wondering where you're no. going. With <laughs> no, but he's someone that's interesting. And I think especially in those, late rounds. I mean, you're looking guys with clear path to targets and outside of Allen Robinson. I mean, he's only competing with guys like Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird, Cole Komet, maybe David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen a little bit. I mean, again, Mooney's a guy that could clearly be the second best target guy on this team. And like you said, that has a lot of upside, especially when you said he was top 50. I mean, as a rookie, what could he do this year? Because he's only going to get better. But, you know, speaking of rookies, I got to I got to talk about a little rookie that I feel like I've talked about so much in this podcast, but I cannot stop talking about him. And I'm so excited about him, even though he did come out of practice today with a quad injury is to get an MRI for it. They don't believe he's going to play in the preseason game Saturday, which means that he's probably likely to come back for the start of the season. But it's Elijah Moore. I mean, even dating back to OTAs, I know this is the Jets media and they hype everything up, but I mean, they said he was the best player offense or defense coming out of OTAs. And beat reporters were saying themselves that they were tired of writing about this guy. And, you know, you could play the Justin Jefferson narrative last year where he started running with the second team. And by the third practice of training camp, Elijah Moore was already running around with the first team. And, you know, Robert Sala loves him. He said that his mindset's off the charts, his work ethic is off the charts. He can line up wherever you want. He's had multiple breakout practices. It seems like every day he's making a big highlight play. And then, you know, if we want to play the narrative game one more time, how about A.J. Brown? A.J. Brown said that his former teammate in Elijah Moore is his pick to win Rookie of the Year this year. Um, I think Elijah Moore is really interesting. And I'm surprised he's still going out this top 120 picks now. I think Corey Davis is still the guy there. But Man, with what Elijah Moore did in college and everything that he's shown, I think there's a lot of potential this year, um, even though he is playing with a rookie quarterback. Is he a guy? Please, please, Jake, tell me that you're he's someone you're, you're taking in your drafts here and there. <laughs> no, I'm a big Elijah Moore fan, but uh, it's, it's not because of the same similar situation that Trey Lance. It's that people are taking him earlier than I'm willing to because Jameson Crowder is still there. That's basically, if you could tell me Jameson Crowder got traded, were released and they cut him because of that cap, but they, they adjusted his cap number, which thought, you know, he might get traded and there's still time. It wouldn't, it's, it's very rare, but it wouldn't be the first time we've seen a trade happen around this time. It's maybe somebody else loses a wide receiver, but Corey Davis coming in, Jamison Crowder still there. I'm not a Mims, Mims guy and Mims is already running with the second and third team, which is a testament to the fact that if you're not running with the first team, that's a, that's telling like everybody has to be evaluated with the first team. That doesn't mean a whole lot. So make that clear, but it means more if you're not, running with the ones. So I definitely think there is the opportunity for more. It just really comes down to the number of weapons on this team and where people are taking them. If you wanted to give me more, you know, in the double digit rounds, sure. Absolutely. I love the talent too. I'm with you. The talent is one of the, I, I had him inside my top 10 and he was pushing top five in the draft. So I love Elijah Moore as a talent. It just, 
this is another one. The situation isn't super appealing as of today for where people are taking him. And maybe some of the news about, you know, he's going to go for an MRI and like, is he a hundred percent? Is he banged up or whatever? Similar to Bateman. Maybe this pushes him down into a reasonable cost. And then yes, now you can look at this and say, similar to Mooney second half of the season. And that's really yeah, where you exactly. reap the benefits of Elijah Moore. So what I'm hearing, are you, are you hating on him just cause he's not the best wide receiver with that last name in the NFL? Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Oh, 100%. Here? That's, that's <laughs> I mean, exactly what it is. <laughs> I mean, he might be like third best. He, he might even be third best. Definitely, definitely interesting to see. I think he'll definitely be second best, but like you said, I think, Maybe second half of the season, he's an interesting late round target, but I'm willing right now to take a flyer on him. I mean, at the end, I mean, he's definitely starting to go up into drafts. I've seen him taken as early as like the tenth or eleventh round, and that's that's a little little too pricey for me. I'd rather take someone like a Mike Williams around that range, or even Antonio Brown in some drafts. I've seen fall to that range. I'd rather take those guys, but Elijah Moore definitely late round is someone I'm willing to take a flyer on because the potential is definitely big in the Green Apple. Before we move on to our fourth guy, we are going to take a quick little break. All right, moving on to our fourth guy. Again, people have heard me plug reception perception on the podcast and, you know, Matt Harmon and Yahoo and how well wide receivers get open. And this guy has been a guy that I mean, Matt Harmon himself has talked up. This guy is just always open on the football field and he's perennially underrated because people just think he's a deep threat and he has a nickname Smokey. So people think that all he does is run <laughs> go routes. But I mean, this is a guy that when he's on the field the last couple of years, I mean, he's, he's put up some decent numbers and especially where he's going in drafts. I mean, he's a guy that I'm definitely willing to take a shot on because like we talked about earlier, clear path to targets, and he could easily be the number two option. I mean, on this team, if it's not for the Terrell Owens and Randy Moss comparisons that Brian Edwards is getting, but it is John Brown is your next player. Please tell us why John Brown should be a draft target. Because he can easily and might be the number one for the Raiders right now and could be for the entire season. We've seen it from John Brown time and again, and even at this point of his career, when healthy is putting up numbers with the Bills. That, that would be the question right now is can he stay healthy through the entire season, starting to get some injuries that he's been dealing with later in his career. But when John Brown's been on the field, he continues to be one of the most productive wide receivers for the teams he plays for. So even if he's not the clear number one and splitting the number one is like sharing it with Henry Ruggs or there's talk about how Brian Edwards looks great so far, whatever it might be. Nelson Aguilar was their number one last year. And John O'Brown's the better wide receiver than Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar finishes the top 40 wide receivers. So nobody seems to want any of the Raiders wide receivers, but guess what? If Derek Carr is throwing for 3,500 and that's a low end side of things and 20 touchdowns plus, it's more than Darren Waller. Somebody, other people are catching the ball. So if Nelson Aguilar could be top fifty, uh, so can John Brown, and John Brown's going almost free right now. So uh, again, path to being the number one option on this team, and worst case scenario, probably the second best wide receiver. Worst case. What do you What do you say though to the John Gruden and his Terrell Owens, Randy Moss comparisons for Brian Brian Edwards? What do you say to those truthers and the John about John Brown? It's, Stop, stupid. <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop comparing <laughs> stop comparing players to like the best players of all time. But like like I liked Brian Edwards. I but I one of the things I said Brian Edwards coming out of college is he needed time to develop. He was way too raw. And that was part of the issue last year is with Derek Carr and Ruggs and Edwards. And Edwards got hurt, but you're asking two rookies to play as the one and the two. Uh, Ruggs got kicked outside when Edwards got hurt, which hurt Ruggs as well because Ruggs isn't really accustomed to that. But I wouldn't be surprised if Edwards turns into a top 30, 40 wide receiver next year. I just think instead, when you miss that much time and you needed some development as a receiver and you have John Brown coming in, 
Uh, I just don't think it's Edwards' time. Maybe Edwards – I'll say that. Maybe Edwards is a second half, and you can take him right now as similar to Elijah Moore. As you take him for the second half of the season, know that you're stashing him on the bench. But I'd say still, if you gave me the odds on favorite, I think John Brown leads the receivers for this year, and then let's talk 2022 next year for Edwards. Absolutely. I love it. And, I mean, I think one of the things you said, you know, the second half breakout, you said if John Brown stays on the field, so maybe if he doesn't, that could be Brian Edwards' time for him to produce. But I'm still going to bet on someone like John Brown that is clearly a very talented NFL receiver to do a little bit more than someone like Brian Edwards at this point. And, and he has not done a lot up to this point in his career. But sticking with the theme of the former Bills wide receivers, that brings me into Cole Beasley. And I know that people think that Cole Beasley might not play this year and he might retire. But besides, I mean, everything that includes Cole Beasley right now and that whole dilemma – He's still a guy that is in fantasy is producing numbers. I mean, this is a guy that's improved his targets, receptions, and receiving yards each of the last three years. And people forget that last year in half PPR, let alone full PPR, he was the wide receiver 21 from weeks 1 to 16 last year before breaking his fibula in week 17. And, I mean, that dude is tough. He played on that in the playoffs, which is ridiculous. But like I said, he was a safety blanket for Josh Allen all year last year. Wide receiver 21 and a half PPR right now, and he's going around wide receiver 60. I mean, I think if he if he plays, which is obviously a question with everything going on right now, um, I think he's going to produce, and I think he's definitely going to outproduce his ADP, and I think he's someone that is a great flex option or if you need someone to fill in on a bye week or, or wherever where you just need some a solid amount of points every week, especially in a good matchup, I'm definitely willing to play Cole Beasley. Do you find yourself coming out with any shares of him considering uh, all the craziness going on? Yeah, I actually do have, and that's like the off the field stuff. I think is part of the reason he's sliding down, which you know I understand that a lot of people are trying to figure out Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis, and who the answer we already have the number two wide receiver. You just mentioned it. Cole Beasley is the number two wide receiver for this team, and Cole Beasley continues to produce uh, similar to some other wide receivers like Marvin Jones. Just for fantasy purposes, whatever the reason is, just underrated every single year, and people just are like, eh, I'll take him. Well, they take him as a wide receiver five, and then he puts up top 30 receiving numbers every single season. So if you like Josh Allen, if you like this offense, stop trying to figure out Gabriel Davis and Emmanuel Sanders. You have the answer in front of you. Uh, off the field situation aside, as soon like there's, he's not the only one that's having these whole discussions as a sidebar. As though we don't get it to a fantasy show, he's not the only one that's having these conversations. But he's one of the loudest, and he's one of the only people people are focusing on for some reason. So let's, he's playing football. Yes, then Cole Beasley is going to be worst case top forty. But because of everything going on, he's not even getting drafted close to that. So I'm with you. I actually have a lot of Cole Beasley because every time that round ticker clicks around to nine, 10 or something like that. Cole Beasley is still sitting there. I'm like, sure. I'll take him every time. Absolutely. I mean, people forget. I mean, this guy's played two years in Buffalo. Now he's had at least 105 targets each of the last two years. He's averaging 75 catches and 950 yards. I'm not, I mean, that's, that's, that's great. Averaging five touchdowns a year. I mean, this guy is, I mean, putting up numbers and he's gotten better the last two years in Buffalo. And again, if Josh Allen's going to put up the numbers that people expect him to at the consensus fantasy QB two right now, then then who someone's going to produce. And I don't think it's going to be Gabriel Davis or maybe it's Emmanuel Sanders playing on his like eighth team in two years. But like I said, Cole Beasley, definitely someone that is a value. But moving on to our final players of the day for these late round targets are tight ends. Um, this is a guy that Adam Troutman is your next guy. And Adam Troutman is someone that's super interesting for fantasy because especially without Drew Brees there for one, and then without Michael Thomas there for at least four or five weeks. And what we've seen that Michael Thomas might want to trade and Michael Thomas, a diva, you can play into those narratives. I mean, this is a guy in Adam Troutman that 
outside of Alvin Kamara, even besides him, that could legitimately be the number one pass catcher on this team. You know, or maybe it's Marquez Callaway. He's getting a lot of buzz in camp. But like I said, Adam Troutman, clear path to targets. But does the athleticism concern you at all for him? Are you just saying the target volume alone is going to carry him to a solid fantasy finish right now? No, the athleticism is actually part of the reason I like him. So one of the things I say coming out of college is I think he's a matchup problem for linebackers already. And the biggest issue is that he's not a great blocker. And so similar to a lot of tight ends, it's going to take a year. Like I said, remember the name, Adam Troutman. And if you look at Troutman and what he can do, or even before Michael Thomas got hurt, so let's go back. Let's say Michael Thomas is on the field as a receiver, not including Kamara. So as receiving options of wide receivers and tight ends, he easily could have been the number two, uh, similar to tight ends on a lot of teams out there of like, now I'm not saying he's anywhere near the level of Kelsey or Kittle, but you know, on that level of they're the number two with another receiver next to them, but they're the number two receiver. Uh, so as you say, if Michael Thomas was out there with Kamara factor in, okay, he's the number three. Well, He's battling with, as you mentioned, Callaway, Traquan Smith, who's hurt right now. And now you have no Michael Thomas. It really comes down to a volume standpoint where the fact you can see 90-plus targets going to Troutman. And as a receiving tight end, 90-plus targets to him, I'd put the comparison into Evan Ingram without the ball drops. Like, you know, if he said Evan Ingram with 90-plus targets, which he had like 100 last year, and look at the touchdowns. And you say, if he could just caught a few more touchdowns, three or four touchdowns, we'd be talking about Troutman inside the top 15, just like Evan Ingram inside the top 15. And if the touchdowns are there and he, you know, 700 receiving yards and five or six touchdowns, that makes you a tight end one. That's all it takes. Hell, that puts you inside the top 10. It's crazy. It really is crazy. And I think Evan Ingram's definitely someone I've been taking a lot in the late rounds. Um, Troutman is is someone I was super interested in, but I had a guy, uh, David Gautieri, on my podcast, and a guru fantasy world on Twitter, super smart guy, and a, considered a tight end guru. And one of the stats that he brought up on the podcast, because I, I liked Adam Troutman at this point, was he said that last year there was not a single tight end that finished in the top 24 that had a slower than a 4.75 40-yard uh, dash. And Troutman had a 4.8, and he was saying with that that the athleticism doesn't matter. But I think just a, one of those weird stats that definitely makes you think twice a little bit when no one in the top 24, I mean, ran faster than I mean, ran slower than Adam Troutman did. But again, like you said, the target volume at the end of the day is definitely someone I'm willing to take a shot on. But you know, going back to that athleticism a little bit, that's why I'm targeting a guy like Jonu Smith, uh, who's my final late round target for a day. I mean, this is. Again, once again, I keep saying this is a guy. I sound like Chris Collinsworth on repeat right now. But he's improved his targets, receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns all four years of his career. And now he's not playing with A.J. Brown or Corey Davis. He could be the legitimate number one option in New England for my Patriots, and he could put up numbers. I mean, again, he's super athletic. He's only missed four games in four years. He could be legitimately the number one option on a team for a guy that's improved every single year of his career. And if you want to play the narrative game, like us fantasy managers tend to do to help our case, I mean, this is a guy in Bill Belichick a few years ago said that Johnny Smith's like one of the best tight ends in the NFL. And now they have him and Hunter Henry has not been getting the best reports out of camp. They said he's been solid, but he's been lagging in production compared to Johnny Smith. Like I said, number one, potentially the number one option in this offense. And I'm going to target a guy like that all day, no matter if Cam Newton or Mac Jones is starting Johnny Smith. Last guy of the day, is he someone you're having any shares of this year? Yeah, I think that John Smith has appeal, especially if you're talking about him versus Hunter Henry and who's the better blocker. Yeah. Uh, we've seen from times that Henry's a little bit more trusted. You, can, you know, the PFF metrics kind of vary some years with those two, but 
you know, those are also guys out there that are making their opinions on how good they're at their blocking. So you can take it always with a grain of salt. I'm not saying PFF isn't reliable at all. I use PFF. I'm just saying that there's been a little bit of a lean that Henry's the better blocker. So where I'm going with that is if you have two tight ends that are similar in that facet, we'll go back to OJ Howard and Cameron Bray. And this is before Gronk got there. OJ Howard was killed fantasy wise because he was the better blocker than Bray and the Buccaneers asked him to block more than Bray. So similar situation if Henry is going to be asked more to block more, which is makes sense versus Janu and Janu is the better matchup problem to begin with than Hunter Henry. Not that Henry's a slouch, but if you're looking at it and you're going to say, hey, these might be the one and twos, if not the second and third options in the passing game, well, then you're going to want the one that's running more routes. And the one that should, as we're looking at more and more routes, is Jono Smith. Now you add to the fact that also Henry is dealing with a little bit of an injury. So, yes, I do like Jono quite a bit. I think that Jono could easily finish as a top 12, if not top 10. And I didn't like him last year because I don't want the third option, the Titans, in the passing game. Well, now it's not the third option. At worst case, he's the third option, but he's also the third option in the Patriots passing game versus the Titans. Exactly, exactly. That is a big, big, big difference. But that is it, Jake. Um, Once again, I appreciate you coming on the show, and I think we had a great list of people and a lot of good discussion. We gave some people some good late-round tight ends – sorry, late-round targets to go after. Uh, But nonetheless, I appreciate you. But before we get out of here, um, do you have any closing thoughts or – I mean, anything that you want to plug for the listeners to to go and check out? Yeah, just uh, for one thing is that don't everything we're talking about here. Don't get so hung up on a player that you eliminate any potential return on investment. Like chill out because you, know, you can have your guys, yeah. but everybody always, you know, they, they sometimes vault. Like we're talking about these and we are saying like Cole Beasley, if he falls here and like, even like the Elijah Moore, like that I said, that's the reason I'm out is because the investment's getting a little too high. Don't get caught up so much in the hype that you're paying these peak values where you're buying all the risk. Never. That's one of the things I always say, never buy all the risk. So as much as you can love these values, they are, what you said, this show is. They're late round values. Keep them as values. Don't throw that out the window. Um, but yeah, it, you know, the, I'll, I tweet everything out at All In Kid over at The Athletic. You mentioned the Betts TV show, which I appreciate, All In Football. So just go rate five stars, review that so that thing can grow. I would appreciate that. But yeah, it's fun being on here and talking late round values. Keep them values. I'm going to hammer that home one more time. Yeah, no, please keep. I mean, again, maybe maybe I should have changed the episode title to almost late round values because again, when you talk about late round targets, then all of a sudden, you know, people get a big head and they're like, okay, well, Trey Lance is a value, so let me draft him in the seventh round, like I saw in a draft the other day. Uh, like you said, and I would also like to hammer home again. These are guys that are late round values, guys that you should be targeting in the late rounds, not guys you should be targeting in the middle rounds because they're late round values. Guys that right. in the late rounds are guys you should target. Simple as that because they're value. Um, but that is it, Jakes. Thank you so much. You can follow him at All In Kid on Twitter. You can follow me at Alex Caruso on Twitter, or find me at Fresh underscore Fantasy on Twit on TikTok. Uh, Road to 20K. We're almost there, little by little, every single day. Um, but nonetheless, Jake, I appreciate you coming on, and thank you so much for you listeners listening to the Fresh Fantasy podcast today. I really appreciate it. And like Jake said and mentioned earlier about his own podcast, rate this podcast too. Give it a five-star review or you know just leave some feedback it's the only way that we can truly get better and that's the only way that it can help me to get great guests like jake to come on the podcast but nonetheless please leave a review (laughs) you guys already know what to do and i hope you all have a great rest of your day